This is The Rush on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Hey, welcome back. Mark Tui in for Rush Minair. It is uh, 2.50 on the clock, time for Dollars and Cents with Brett House. Our guest is a professor of professional practice and economics at Columbia Business School and a fellow with the Public Policy Forum, the Monk School and Massey College. Brett, good to talk with you again. Happy New Year. I hope it's off to a good start. It's uh, Well, let's uh, talk economics and we'll all be depressed because that's kind of the role of economics in, uh, in the body politic, isn't it? To sort of make everybody upset at the opportunities that they missed. Um, I don't know about that. No? I mean, the whole dismal <laughs> science thing, I think, is it's maybe a little tired. I think it's about finding opportunities within the resources we have. Well, let's see if we can get uh, you as an economist and public policy expert to disagree uh, with uh, something that I saw, which uh, made me go, huh, that's an interesting take on things. Uh, Dr. Mike Moffat is uh, an economist, amongst other things, at uh, Western University, I believe. And uh, I follow him on Twitter. He often says some pithy and insightful things. And uh, just before the end of the year, he tweeted a whole series of, uh, of tweets breaking down the problems uh, with uh, Canada's uh, econo- economy and political policies into sort of six buckets. Uh, problem number one, he described as the suffocating vitocracy, uh, where Canada has a civil service political culture that really doesn't so much as say no to everything. It just kind of doesn't say anything uh, to anything and system or initiatives languish. He then goes on to talk about the problem of state capacity. And I've talked about this. Uh, You know, people will say, well, you know, the government can do more than uh, chew gum and uh, walk at the same time. And my experience having worked in government is no, that's that's a real challenge. Here's uh, Moffat uh, speaking earlier. You run into these same problems over and over where it's, uh, you know, lack of state capacity to get approvals done. Uh, it's this what we call the suffocating veto vetocracy, where you're trying to get a, a, approvals. And it's not only that you're not getting yes, but you're also not getting no. That It's, uh, yeah, and I've, I've seen that from the inside. Uh, Brad House, as uh, somebody who looks at both economics and public policy, how big a challenge is the fact that our civil service, our government, the interface of both working together, they just really cannot get things done? Well, I think Mike is always someone worth listening to, and he's pointing to two distinct phenomena here. One, when he talks about this stifling vitocracy, He's really talking about the design of our institutions, the overlapping jurisdictions that city, region, provincial, and federal levels of government have, and the move to very comprehensive stakeholder consultation processes that have effectively meant that while everyone has input, almost everyone has a near veto over something moving ahead. It makes things incredibly difficult to execute on, even when clear policy decisions are made. And even if things can go forward, those processes sometimes make things so expensive that even if approved, will not actually be put into place. The other distinct phenomenon he's going to is around state capacity. And there, I have a little bit of a differentiated view. I think they're incredibly talented people in the public service at every level of government in Canada who are all trying to do the right thing. Uh, But there is the 
problem we just mentioned of the way the institutions constrain them. Uh, but I think we have to put some of the responsibility on ourselves and the people we elect who are incentivized to be risk averse, not bold, and uh, to move in incremental fashion on things that require big, bold action. Yeah, Brett House, you and I have talked about the challenge of productivity in Canada's uh, economy, which is pointing mostly at the private sector, and Mike Moffat is not uh, without criticism of the private sector. He's got a couple of points uh, uh, that sort of suggest what some of the underlying problems with our lack of productivity are in Canada. One, he says, is the use of guest workers, uh, temporary foreign workers, as a solution to everything. Instead of investing in new technology or reinvesting in your business, you just get cheaply or training people or paying them more to attract, uh, to fill the jobs. We we just lean on cheap uh, foreign labor as a solution to everything, which kind of robs us of the capacity to build bigger going forward. And uh, he says uh, the problem with uh, nobody ever got fired for buying IBM, the penchant for uh, businesses in Canada to not take risks, to kind of go with, even if it's not likely to be the best answer, it's the answer that's not going to get me fired. You know, again, I think there's some truth there, but there's some caveats that are warranted. Uh, you know, the data on productivity in Canada is a bit mixed. When you look at business investment, it looks relatively low and slow over the last two decades. And when you look at productivity gains, when we talk about productivity as economists, we're talking about the ability to produce more output, more goods and services, the things we need with either the same or fewer inputs of labor and, and materials. And we haven't moved that needle very much over the last 20 years when you look at the comprehensive data. But there was a great paper recently from some economists at McMaster that dissected the numbers a bit and showed that most of the lag in productivity is coming from the oil and gas sector. And if you take that out, Canada yeah, isn't doing stellar, but it's not doing as bad as some of those really uh, morose uh, headlines sometimes imply. I've got a couple of minutes uh, left, uh, Brad House. Uh, you had brought something uh, to the table called the Vibe Session. I don't know anything about the Vibe Session. Tell me everything that you can fit into two minutes. Well, the... The underlying story is the economic data keep coming in better than we expected, and that's been the case over the last 12 months. Uh, Reshmi, your colleague and I have talked about, is a recession coming almost every week of 2023. <laughs> and uh, you know, my view was it probably wouldn't, but it, we wouldn't see particularly strong growth. In fact, everything's come in much better than expected, and yet people don't feel great about the economy. And I think that's rooted in two things. Uh, one is that we are only just starting to get wages uh, catching up total earnings to the inflation we had last year and this year. And secondly, I think the housing market is really getting people down. If they feel they can't get on the property ladder, they can't move to something that suits their family, their needs, or the place they need to be, uh, given that's the most important investment we all make, that's uh, pretty big depressor for how people feel about things. So I'm hopeful that declining interest rates in 2024, uh, a continued skirting by the recession, and uh, some improving uh, numbers and other fronts in the economy will lift some of those vibes. 
I've got, uh, I don't have enough time for you to answer, but my question was going to be, how much of that is because of the difference between the GDP, which seems to be doing okay in Canada, but when you factor in the immigration and the population growth, uh, gross domestic product per capita for each of us is not as good. It's a great point. It relates to your temporary foreign worker issue in a way that I do not understand why businesses push for this and government is acceded to it. We have undermined over the last decade to 15 years our vaunted skills-based point system of immigration and instead flattened Canada with very low-skill temporary workers that are working in fast food, meatpacking, hotels, and really undermining the wages of people who are already here. That is a bad set of policy choices that I hope will turn around and get back to our tradition of smart immigration. Well, we'll see if it moves forward on that uh, sense. Dollars and Cents with Brett House, uh, Professor of Professional Practice at Columbia and a fellow of the Public Policy Forum, Monk School and Massey College. Uh, thank you so much. We're going to take a break at the top of the hour. The Rush will return momentarily. You're listening to The Rush on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. 